Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Black Brew. My name is Aaron. I'm your host. Josh is not here today because he's sick as fuck. But we have, or I have a uh, guest host just not really taking his place, but who wanted to be on the podcast. And I wanted to have them on the podcast, too. So um, the person is Mary. Hi, Mary. Hello. Um, do you want to like introduce yourself, give your pronouns, and say a little bit about yourself? Um, my name is Mary Campbell, I guess, if you want to get formal. Um, my, pro- <laughs> my pronouns are she, her. Um, I went to college with Aaron. Uh, we met freshman year. We were both art majors at the time. Aaron clearly did not stick with that. I I like to consider myself an alumni of the program. Mm, I would say dropout. (laughs) But I stuck with the art major and got my bachelor's degree in art. And now I'm getting my master's degree in art education. So here in about a year, I will be a master of education. Great. Um, Today we have just one topic, but it's a really big topic. I'm sure we get about 30 minutes with it. Um, before I get into the topic, just want to remind everyone to follow us on Instagram at, at Black Podcast. Not enough of y'all are following us on Twitter or on um, Instagram, so go follow us and please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review because this is an amazing podcast and we need more ratings and more reviews. And share this on your social media. Thank you. So um, Mary and I are both educators. Um, we're also both pretty fucking progressive. Um, we both uh, are Southerners. Um, and if you are all of those things that I just listed, there has been a lot of talk that you could probably just generalize into um, the subject of like social justice inside of education from people just saying that colleges brainwash people to becoming liberals, from people banning critical race theory, banning the 1619 Project, people not wanting their children to talk about race or to learn history. It's just like a a bunch of stuff. So I guess like my first question, that I guess we can start is like, what does it mean to be an educator who has a classroom that promotes social justice so i think there's a lot of factors in with that because you know talking about being a socially just educator we talk about that in my education classes and i honestly feel like it's difficult in practice especially in the south um there's probably other places in the country where it's easier to have a classroom like that. But in the South, where it's very socially and politically conservative, um, there's a negative connotation to the, the phrase, you know, social justice or socially just. So I think there's a lot of educators here that still, um, achieve a socially just classroom but I think it's done with a lot more finesse um a lot more subtly and I think that's just kind of you're forced into that here 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's still possible. And, you know, I have a little bit of experience teaching and I tried to be very open and diverse in what I taught. And there's ways you can go about it, but you also, it literally feels like you're walking on eggshells yeah. the entire time you're talking. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's important to still have that effort for it because I think, you know, the students deserve it to, to be in a classroom that is accepting and diverse and where they can learn about not only your subject area, but how to be a citizen of the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why educators here try so hard is because it is for the students ultimately. Um, But it's definitely, I think very complicated here in the South. Yeah. I think back to like all of those, like I see like uh, sometimes like TikToks or like Instagram videos of like teachers who have like in their classrooms, they're like, no like student or child is like illegal and like, you know, like yeah. matters. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I feel like the education that I got, well, I won't say that like it was inherently like racist and like homophobic, but I wouldn't say that it was I, I would not say that my classrooms that I sat in K through 12 were a safe place for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like if I had seen like, you know, like a teacher put a pride flag, you know, on like in front of like their door, put like a, like a safe zone sticker saying like, this is a safe space for like LGBT students or like if I, you know, if, if I had had that, I feel like I would have felt like more comfortable. And that's like something like I want to provide for my students. Um, and then like, also, I just think to myself that like, wow, American history classes, not that I'm a history <laughs> teacher, but American history classes are probably the, the most like stupid classes one can teach like we can all agree that like to some extent science classes should teach science and that they it's it's not they're not teaching fucking magic they're teaching you know uh h2o is uh water and this covalent bond yeah or like fucking math they're like here's a factor tree and then like and i guess we can kind of argue about language arts but whatever but like history class they're like Christopher Columbus sailed the blue in 1492 and the pilgrims and the Indians were best friends and America oh my god I know the fucking world I feel like I should be I know I, like <laughs> I know that's uh, yeah there's a lot of things in the American education system that I think is very problematic um like what and and me being uh, well, like the censorship, right? In history classes, because mm-hmm. uh, history is always taught by the by the victor, right? So history in America is taught from a perspective that America is a good country and has always been a good country. So, you know, they're going to kind of minimize the issues that have happened and the wrongs that we have done. Um, because I, you know, I just an example, 
I remember learning about World War II in American history. And when they talk about America's involvement in World War II, it's very much painted like America came in at the end and saved the day. Yeah. And, and the thing that really bothers me now, I don't think I thought much about it at the time, but now reflecting on it, the thing that really bothers me is America dropping the nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki Yeah, is really painted as this heroic moment. It is. Yeah. And that is so disgusting to me because, you know, we weren't, first of all, I don't think any country should have access to nuclear weapons, but agreed. (laughs) Yeah. But But we bombed civilian cities and it, it not only, you know, killed the initial people who were killed by the impact, but it affected generations after because of the radiation. And I, I don't see that as a heroic act. I mean, I see that as, as taking a part in the atrocities that were committed in world war II. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we just, and this is, this is something that will probably take a very long time, but I think that there needs to be a shift in perspective and how we learn about these things. I'm going to be careful, Mary. Um, Some people might argue that you're rewriting history. Well, maybe it needs to be rewritten from how we are teaching it. Um, and that's something like my subject area being art. I'm really interested in art history. Um, so I like to incorporate that in my lessons. And because I am teaching history, I want to teach it truthfully um and then you know i like to teach artists and movements so when i teach about artists of color most artists of color especially american artists of color their work is about their struggle and about their experience in this country and what worries me about how education is censored and limited in America is being able to portray those stories truthfully. Mm -hmm. I think also like in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like thinking back to like being taught, like how heroic and exceptional America was as a student, I don't know about you, but as me, when I was in school, I guess I just took everything that my teachers took at, I took everything at face value and I just, yeah, yeah. What they were teaching me was truthful because why would my history teacher lie to me or why would the state of Alabama provide a curriculum that explicitly lies to me about stuff or like why, like, I, like they have a degree, like they have a, they have a mm-hmm. degree in their college area and they have a master's in education. So obviously they know what they're talking about. There's a history textbook in front of me that says this. It has citations. It has people who were written, like all, all of this stuff. And it's all wrong. I also think like about like myself as a teacher, because like 
I think about like my positionality. So like, I don't teach in the South, but if I did, I would be like a black queer person teaching in the yeah. South. And because I teach something that is inherently political, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I am gonna teach like students feminism. I'm gonna teach students about racism. I'm gonna teach students about mm-hmm. all of these other things that if I were probably, te- I probably would not be allowed to teach it in a K through 12 setting. Uh, which I wouldn't be allowed to teach anyway because states have their own like curriculum standards. Yeah. It's something that should be, I don't know, like changed. Like I don't understand why we have like people who are not even educators deciding like what should be taught. Oh, don't even get me started. (laughs) Like the, like the- It literally makes my blood boil. What is, what are they called? Um, but the boards of education, like the people on those, yeah, boards, like they just get like elected to these positions, and then like they say, I like, hate that it is an elected position. I do too. Hate it. it should be an appointed position. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything on the board of education superintendents should be appointed. Because, like, I mean, yes, I'm for people being involved, and you know, voting is important, but. I have just experienced that majority of people are not very likely to participate in small local elections, right? And and I just think you're running a real risk of the most qualified person not getting the position. And I think that really shows because especially here in Alabama, you know, and I, I can't speak on how it is in other places in the country, but here in Alabama, it really shows that we get some people who have no idea what they're doing. Which should be really concerning since they're in charge of people teaching, like deciding what our children learn. Yeah, yeah. And, And they're the people who who tie our hands and what we can and can't teach. I would say you would think that people, cause they talk all the time about how they don't want their children to be stupid and talk stupid shit. But I'm all, uh, like, I'm like, you would think that they would want someone who is an educator who has been in the classroom, who has gotten a fucking degree learning about this and teaching this stuff. But then I also forget they, they probably think those same exact people are the fucking liberals who are brainwashing their students to become communist. The thing that's difficult for me, because you're right, like they do think educators are inherently liberal and will indoctrinate students. Which I'm like, have you ever met a fucking history teacher who's a fucking coach? Oh my God, I know. (laughs) But what's... My my train of thought just left me. Um, (laughs) But what's difficult is you have parents... And don't get me wrong, like, it's good for parents to be involved in their child's education. It's good to have involved parents. But you get parents who think that they know better than education professionals. And they want to be able to limit what can be taught about in the classroom. Like, for an example, um, our friend Ryan, uh, he is also an educator. He did a long-term substitute position, um, and he 
uh, he's in music. So he was teaching a general music class and he was teaching um, world music. So he was talking about cultures from around the world and different oh, music God. from around the world. Yeah. We already know where this is going. Yeah. So he, you know, when you're talking about, especially the arts around the world, the arts are very influenced by religion and culture. So it's kind of hard to teach about the Renaissance without teaching about the influences of Catholicism. Right. So that also takes place in other parts of the world. And, you know, so it's, it's hard to teach about, um, ancient arts and music in the middle east without talking about islam or the influence of other abrahamic religions Mm. so it's a part of the conversation so he was teaching a unit on middle eastern music and he yes we we know where this is going (laughs) (laughs) so he was teaching a unit on middle eastern music and he was talking about the religious influences so he spoke a little bit about Islam and he just told them, you know, basics about what Islam is and how it influenced music. And a student had asked if Muslims believe in Jesus. And, you know, a student asked a question, so he answered it. And he said, well, you know, Muslims believe that Jesus was a person. Um, they believe he was a prophet, but they don't believe that he's the son of God like Christians do. And then the students kind of got defensive and they were like, well, he is the son of God. But Ryan didn't even and say that he wasn't. He just said with Muslim. I know. <laughs> I know. And Ryan shut it down. He did, he did the right thing. He shut it down. He was just like, well, you know, that's what you believe as a Christian and that's okay. And so we're going to move on. And, you know, that was the end of the conversation. Oh God. Well, Ryan, Ryan gets an email from a parent who is very angry that Ryan taught about Islam. Because obviously Ryan was trying to turn them into Islamic terrorists. Yeah, obviously. Um, So the parent was mad and they said, you know, there were some things said in the classroom that we disagree with. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. And they said, you need to keep politics out of the classroom. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very, you have to be so, so careful. Because <laughs> um, you get these parents that, for lack of a better descriptor, they're ignorant. And, you know, people fear what they don't understand. Yep. And they're going to hear about their children being educated on worldly things and they're going to fear it because they are not educated on worldly things. And it's just, it's very difficult. And I think that's something that I fear going into schools and going into classrooms because like you said, you teach something that's inherently political I also teach something that is inherently political. Yeah. Right. The arts don't have to be political, but a big portion of the arts is political because it's a form of expression. So, so people are going to use this form of expression to speak about 
things they believe in, uh, injustice and their experiences. And, you know, last semester I taught Jean-Michel Basquiat, who is inherently political. And I tried very hard to be neutral, but also be truthful to what his work was about. And I think I did okay. I think in the future, I would want to focus more on his work's meaning. Um, But I was just kind of afraid to go too far into it, Mm -hmm. especially with the area I was teaching in is an affluent area in the South and affluent areas in the South don't deal with issues like racism and classism being taught in the classroom very well. Mm -hmm. I'm currently helping a professor construct a syllabus for a feminist theory class that I'm uh, co-teaching next semester. And I was trying to find articles uh, for like the students to read and stuff. And I was like, ooh, and I said, I'm gonna plug in these Teen Vogue articles because like they're fucking young college students. They like to read Teen Vogue because Teen Vogue is a And I was plugging articles. Now I had some articles from Bitch Media too. And I was looking at it and I was like, is this too much? Like, am I asserting my own like beliefs? Cause it was about like, you know, like uh, socialist feminism and like communism and like uh, like how like we need to abolish the police to help reproductive health and like all of this like really, really like, like really, really, really left-wing feminist stuff. And I was like, I mean, like I know the class is like a feminist class but am I being too feminist? Like, is this too much? And I'm like, I have all these like black women who I'm like trying to like pick to show them about black, black feminism. I'm like, is this, too much black people and then like i like i well i don't know because i'm like okay I, I know it's a feminist class and i'm like but i don't want to co- i don't want it to come across as if like i'm like trying to like be like you need to believe in this you need to believe in that even though like i would even facilitate the conversation like that it would be like okay read this how, how do you feel do you like it do you dislike it why why not but just the fact that i'm even assigning it makes me feel like I'm trying to indoctrinate people because I have oh been told so many times that just because I assign something that is, you know, like talking about trans women or black women or whatever, that I'm trying to indoctrinate a left-wing agenda upon people's children. Well, here's my thing. So first of all, I think you should do what you want to do because you have more freedom in teaching college students. Yes. Um, But secondly, I think it is important that you should assign those authors that you're wanting to assign because those are authors that those students are probably not going to get much exposure to otherwise. Um, Because if you're talking about like feminist theory, like they're going to know the big ones. They're going to know the white women everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. Right, they're gonna know um, Virginia Woolf and that Andrea Dorkin. Oh, don't is even that, is that her name? Podcast. Don't even say, <laughs> don't even, don't even. <laughs> so, Susan B. Anthony, they're gonna know about those people, 
Um, and I think when teaching feminism, it's really easy to slip into the whitewashed feminism. Mm-hmm. So especially you being a black educator, I think it is important that, that you teach about these things. And I think you're going to have students that will appreciate it because I mean, you're, you're probably going to have students who are going to get representation from that, that they haven't encountered in classes before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe, maybe teach a little bit of the classic stuff, but also teach the more contemporary stuff and the more like women of color um, authors that you want to teach. Because I think, I think in their collegiate career, they're going to have a ton of exposure to the classic um, people in literature, the classic activists but they're not going to have a lot of exposure to maybe those specific people that you want to teach. Yeah. Mm. Love teaching college. Can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. I wish I had that freedom. I don't know if I'd be able to teach high school. Like I, I, first of all, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have the motivation to teach like the classics. I would be like, okay, like, how would I even, how, how would I teach fucking Pride and Prejudice? How would Ew. I teach Wuthering Heights? That sounds so boring. Jane Eyre. The fucking, uh, what's that book called? Where they travel across the country? The Grapes of Wrath. Ew. Maybe, no, really? I can't do that. No, same. I mean, I do like classic literature, but like, selectively. Because some of it's really fucking boring. Yeah. So I like, I like the interesting ones, but I don't know, like it's kind of easier for me because I do like a lot of classics, like within art, because like my favorite, some of my favorite artists are classic artists. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm also really interested in contemporary, but so that's kind of like what I try to do as an educator is I want to mix teaching about classic artists and teaching about contemporary artists. Um, Because I think if I am to prepare my students for going to college for art, they have to have that base knowledge of classic technique, classic artists, Mm -hmm. um, classic methods. But I think it's really important to give that exposure to of the like more contemporary stuff, the stuff that's not as rigid in its structure and kind of the quote unquote rules mm-hmm. of the craft. So I try to, I try to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that episode? Did you watch NASA Classified School Survival Guide? Yes, I did. Okay, do you remember the episode when he painted that um, orange naked lady? No. The, oh, God, Mary. It's like the art episode where he's taking an art class and Ned paints this picture. And it's supposed to be just to be like uh, squiggly lines. And, um, or yeah, he's like, it's supposed to have been painting like a fire truck. 
but it looks like a, it actually was red, a red um, naked lady. And so um, the like vice principal, the principal, the, the principal of the school was like, cover this up. Like, don't, we don't want this to get out to like the news because if the news finds out that we're teaching students to paint naked women <laughs> and, like they're gonna cut our funding or whatever but like they also need money because the art department there is like struggling and like every and, art department yeah and so but then like it it gets on the news that like the school's like painting like they're teaching our children to paint nudity and oh my know. god but like you you should go back and watch it if you can but um, i will i need to look that up <laughs> what like what do you so like what if you because I've already had my thoughts about reading papers that are like pro-abortion or like anti-police reform or or like stuff like that what do you do as an art teacher when your student paints something that is just like insensitive like they like ooh, I'm gonna paint like the fucking nazi signs and these beautiful designs or i'm gonna paint this police officer like blue lives matter shit oh my god i don't think i could tell them they couldn't do a blue lives matter but um so if it's something that's like inappropriate like that because I teach K through 12 we have a lot more red tape um Mm -hmm. so I mean if they just do something completely inappropriate like that's something that I have to report to administration um but as far as like you said like they were going to do like Nazi symbols or something so part of the reason of why I like to teach art history as kind of the leading principle of my lessons is I want my students to Mary yes oh you yeah I don't know what happened it like cut off Oh, sorry. All I heard was um, I want my students. Oh wow, I cut out a lot. Um, that was weird. Anyway, um, I want my students to understand the historical context of of what what we're learning about in art. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a lot of art movements that came from very dark parts of history. So pretty much anything that's going on in any part of history is being reflected in the art so you know like I said earlier art is a form of expression so you're I I firmly believe that when an artist makes a piece of art it's they're putting themselves into it right so looking at somebody's body of work is is seeing their experiences so I'm hoping that in teaching this, that will make the students kind of more sensitive to 
these topics that are present in art, that they'll understand the context of it and kind of the, the reason the artist made these specific pieces or these specific styles. So in teaching about, about the historical context, um, I'm hoping to give them an understanding mm-hmm. of what was going on, the, how the artist felt about it, what their experience was. And that's why they chose to depict it this way. Because, you know, you know that, you know, one of my favorite movements is Dada. Mm-hmm. And for the people listening, if you don't know what Dada is, Dada is an art movement that came about during the First World War. And it was in reaction to the First World War. They kind of had this philosophy that a world led by logic and reason led to this devastating war. So they wanted to embrace chaos um, and the illogical. And then some other stuff in Dada is also very political because it was very anti-war. But, you know, so if someone who doesn't understand that context looks at a Dada artwork, they probably won't appreciate it in the same way because it will look very chaotic and they won't really understand the reasoning behind that chaos. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I teach the historical context and why that philosophy came about, I think it gives a greater understanding and greater appreciation of being able to view that artwork in that way. Um, So I think that will minimize students doing things just to be distasteful. You know, because if if we're learning about well, uh, artists that were around during World War II and they understand what the Nazis did to artists and and how they censored art and how they limited how artists could work, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they won't paint a swastika. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm just trying to lead with. educating my students on how to be empathetic people. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that will minimize some students just being dicks. Mm -hmm. What if it's not like, cause I'm wondering like where you draw the line between like censorship and like it being a problem. Because like, what if it's like not them being a dick? What if they are like literally like, if you do get to the the point where you teach high school and they are like, they all like identify with the culture of like white nationalism. And it's something that's very, their identity. And they want to make art about being a white nationalist. And like, maybe it's not a swastika, but maybe it's something else. (sighs) How, (laughs) how do you like, cause I mean, people who like, you know, we, we're the arts and humanities. We're very like anti-censorship because like, we don't want, we don't believe in Yes, yes. But also like, (laughs) what do you do? (laughs) Well, okay. So, I mean, firstly, because I teach K through 12, if there's something I say they can't do, they just can't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say for the sake of the argument that I were to teach higher ed and it would be, I guess, a studio class. So you're allowed a lot more freedom in collegiate level studio classes. Um, and I mean, I've seen a lot of artwork just you know going to college for art and being in those classes I've seen a lot of artwork 
from a lot of different people that are um, kind of, I wouldn't say inappropriate, but like racy, you know, or um, provoking. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff like that. A girl, uh, a girl in my printmaking class did a study of a vagina and it was just a lifelike vagina. It was just print. And, you know, that's, you see stuff like that in college classes. And I mean, you see stuff like that as professional artists. Um, but I think in terms of being a working artist, you can choose to do whatever you want and whatever consequences come from that you also have to deal with. So you can choose to make art that is promoting white nationalism, but you also have to accept the consequences of doing so. So the consequences of doing so, you're probably not going to get into any art shows. Um, No art dealers are probably going to want to sell your work. You probably won't sell a lot, and the people you do sell to will be a very specific niche. Um, you'll deal with criticism and you, 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 like when you, when you are a creative and you create something, you have to accept that your work is going to be interpreted in different ways. So even if you didn't intend for a certain interpretation, someone may take it that way and someone may describe it that way. And you have to accept that people are going to talk about it like that. But in terms of being in a higher ed studio class, even though I do understand the arts are against censorship, I think there's a line because there's some things that are just hateful and dangerous and imagery that is promoting something like white nationalism is dangerous Mm -hmm. and could turn to propaganda which is dangerous so in in favor of protecting the space of your class and protecting your students who may be vulnerable or sensitive to to some of that subject matter I think you have to limit it Mm -hmm. because because you're there to be an educator and you're there for for the good of your students and if something someone is doing is harmful, then it's your duty to, to stop that. Yeah. I think that accurately describes a social justice educator. Um, having a classroom that not tolerating that kind of stuff that can be hateful and harmful yeah. to your other students. Um, well, Mary, um, it's been fun. 
um, we're gonna have to end this podcast now. Um, do you do you have like any like uh, links you wanna drop in for people to follow you? Like, I don't know if you still do your TikToks or you got some um, art account. I have yeah, I have my art Instagram. My my art Instagram is at m underscore art underscore and underscore design. <laughs> So, a lot of underscores but yeah it's m art and design okay all right uh thank you for not really filling in for josh but thank you for being on our podcast um and yeah that that that's it uh you'll see us next time whenever we upload another episode uh and follow our instagram at black food podcast thank you goodbye <laughs>